Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Spa Strong Podcast. I'm Royal. I'm Melissa. And today we have a, another amazing guest. Yes, today we have the pleasure of speaking with Savannah Foda, also known as the Dallas Esthetician. Savannah is a licensed esthetician, permanent makeup artist, and certified laser technician based in Dallas, Texas. She is the owner of the Dallas Esthetician Spa, and she is also a business and social media mogul. Savannah, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with y'all today. We appreciate you. Um, You know, this episode is taking place during the quarantine time from (laughs) COVID-19, and it's actually worked in our favor because lots of people have availability to be able to come on and be on the podcast. So thank you. I know. I'm so excited. I get to talk to y'all. I get to pet my cats finally. It's wonderful. Yes. We have to look for the good things like that, right? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So we're just so excited to be able to hear about your story and how you got into aesthetics. You've made such an impact on the industry in such a short amount of time. So do you want to just dive right in and tell us a little bit about your background? Yes, of course. So I've always loved beauty and makeup and all kinds of that stuff. Um, Ever since I was really little, my mom, you know, used to drag me to her electrolysis appointments uh, and put little goggles on me to be in the room. So, I mean, I've been around, you know, beauty and skincare my whole life, thanks to my mom. But what really got me into it was never having acne issues throughout high school and finally having that problem that so many women and men suffer with in college. Um, And I was just dumbfounded. I had no idea what to do. It was something I was so unfamiliar with. It was so foreign to me. Um, I remember, you know, when I was younger, you know, when we all get, you know, down on ourselves and, you know, feel bad or whatever it may be, there's that one silver lining. Well, for me, it was my skin. And so when Mm -hmm. I lost that in college, it was devastating for me because that was the one thing I'm like, oh, well, at least I don't get acne and I have clear skin. So when that finally happened for me, um, I didn't realize how emotionally hard it is to deal with, not only painful, but emotionally painful. And I went everywhere to search to find a cure. I, you know, spent all my serving money um, on Sephora. I went to estheticians. I mean, I just did everything and I couldn't figure it out. Um, And during that time, I was actually in nursing school and I've always had a passion for helping people and you know, being more in the healthcare industry. Um, But I'm also a very sensitive person. So that's something that I thought I would grow out of as I got older. And my parents would always say, oh, you'll be fine. You're just young. You know, once you're a nurse, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. You won't be so sensitive. But I learned it wasn't a maturity thing. It was a personality thing for me. And so Mm -hmm. I am a very sensitive, caring, loving person. And sometimes, you know, I care too much. Um, And so while going through nursing school and kind of figuring that, this might not be the route for me um, because I am that person. When I do something, I do it 112% and I wanted to be, you know, the best nurse I could be. And so I wanted to be in the ER and doing all the things and, you know, knowing with my sensitivity side and how emotional I can be, I knew I would, you know, actually probably be more in like a small doctor's office and doing flu shots and taking temperatures. And I was okay with that, but I started thinking, is that really what I want to do? You know, I really want to help people. And of course, you know, checking their temperature and giving them a flu test is, you know, you're helping them, but it's not 112%. And that's what I wanted. And Mm. so when I was dealing with my own skin stuff, I just started researching it. I've always loved science, chemistry, ingredients, and I fell in love with it. And I honestly did not know this amazing industry existed. I 
really thought that doctors and nurses were the ones that were able to do the cool like lasers and the chemical peels and all of that. I really thought aesthetics was just baseball, which is wonderful, but I didn't know there was more to it where I could really be an acne specialist and help people um, the way I wanted to help myself. So after going through all that, I came home one day, I said, mom and dad, I'm dropping out of nursing school. And it was very difficult for them, um, you know, being in a family where everyone went and got a college degree to see me, you know, take the different route. And, you know, my father at the time, he was so against it. He thought, you know, I was just going to be the laughing stock of the family, going to beauty school and that, you know, I was capable of so much more. And, you know, all the things parents like to say about the beauty industry. Um, but I proved him wrong. And, you know, he is so, so proud of me. And he, you know, at the time, he had no idea what the world of aesthetics has become. He really just thought of it as, you know, me not doing anything with my life, which, you know, was very hard for me at that time. So, you know, not having my family support as much with my new career path was very difficult. And going through what my skin was going through um, while trying to become an esthetician was hard for me as well. So that's where I really found my passion. And what I really found was for me. Um, I do remember going to aesthetic school to sign up. And I finally had this feeling that I never felt, you know, people always say, you know, when you're being you're doing the thing that you're supposed to do, or you have that feeling where God or whoever it may be is saying, yes, this is what you're meant to do. I never understood that until I walked into that building. And I guys, I can't even explain. I had chills all the way down my body and I just went into tears and I knew whatever higher power you believe in or whoever it is, like they were telling me, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're meant to do. And my life has changed ever since. I've always, you know, felt like I didn't know what I was actually supposed to be doing until that day. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love that story so much. I just love that. I mean, this last thing that you were talking about, about the overwhelming feeling that you had found your calling. I mean, yep. that's so powerful. I just, I mean, it was crazy. It really was. And I, you know, will never forget that feeling. I, you know, have always, I grew up Catholic and, you know, I grew up in a Christian school, but, you know, when we get older and we go through college and whatever religion we believe in, you know, you kind of lose touch of that as you're growing up as a teenager and a young adult. Um, and that just really grounded me where I was like, oh my gosh, the world doesn't revolve around me. There's higher powers, there's higher sources. And that solidified, that solidified, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Even though I might not have had my father's support at that time, like having that feeling, I knew whoever's out there, they're saying yes. And they're saying, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I just felt it in my heart, like just spiritually. That's so sure. wonderful. And I can imagine that, you know, if you have a close relationship with your parents, for them to be disapproving of something that you're wanting to do, that can be really discouraging. And that could make you second guess that path that you wanted to be on. But I can imagine that having that experience where you were able to know in your heart, no, this is 100% the right thing for me to be doing, that that probably helped carry you until your dad was able to see the light, so to speak, and recognize that this yeah. was a good thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, my mom, she was like, she knows she was one foot in, one foot out. She's like, I don't know, like, is this going to be a good thing? But she knows that I'm a go-getter and whatever I do in life, I'm going to attack it and I'm going to do the best I can do because that's always been my personality. Um, and I think for my father, you know, he's so supportive of me. But for him, like, you know, every dad wants their daughter to, you know, go to college. He's like, well, can't you just finish and then go to nursing or go to nursing school and then become an esthetician? I'm like, nope, mm -mm. my mind is set. I said, I am past this phase in my life, dad. Like, I 
know what I want to do. I know what I'm supposed to do, and this is it. And I went for it. Um, and it's just so wonderful now to see he's just so proud of me. And, you know, he it's just changed completely his mindset on the industry. And I know so many other women go through this as well, and men, with their family when they tell them, hey, college isn't for me. So it's just a really awesome story to finally have my dad's support and him see what I'm doing and know I'm helping people and it's not so frivolous and, you know, makeup and all the girl stuff. Like he sees I can actually make a change in people's lives and help them medically. So it's really nice. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I mean, there are people who can make it doing just makeup or just those frivolous things, but I love that you were able to go into what is perfect for you. And perfect for you is working with people's acne and working on their skin and connecting with them and improving their self-esteem on a more permanent level. And um, yeah, I just think that's so great that you were able to find your perfect niche. And look at you now. Yes. Yes, it was wonderful. I know. And now he can't get upset when I like to do the frivolous, more fun, girly things in the industry because he can see that I can do both, you know? And I think it really was for a dad, you know, wanting, he always wanted me to be a doctor. So going down from not being a doctor to being a nurse to being an esthetician, it was, you know, pretty, pretty hard one for him to swallow. But, you know, at least that I'm still doing some more medical stuff. I think that's what helps him sleep at night. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's awesome. That's... My parents just wanted me to graduate with, with C's because I was struggling. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I am. Um, I left college to go to aesthetic school and then I went back to college and finished it kind of out of obligation. Like I felt like I needed to. And Mm -hmm. yes, it did open some doors for me. I was able to teach at the university. I was able to do a bunch of different things because of it. But I look back and I'm like, I don't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't need to do that. I had everything that I needed with my aesthetics license. And that was really what my dream was. And so I am impressed with people who are able to make a definitive decision. And obviously, of course, things can change. You can change your mind later. But you're like, nope, I know this isn't for me. And I'm going to focus 100% on what is for me. Exactly. And, you know, something I'm so passionate about in this industry, showing people it doesn't matter what you do. It could be, you know, aesthetics. It could be, you know, I know this one girl in Dallas. She has a balloon company. And who would ever thought that she would have, you know, a six-figure balloon company and dominate every single party, event anything that happens in Dallas, she's doing it. And so it just goes to show you don't have to be, you know, doing these high qualification jobs to become successful. If you're passionate about something, I honestly don't think it matters if you're selling tacos, doing lemonade stand on the street, whatever you do, if you put your all into it and you do it 112%, you'll be successful because I think passion is what makes people successful. I don't think it's degree. I don't think it's, you know, what job they're doing. I think it's honestly how hard you push yourself and how passionate you are. People will see that and the business will come. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so true. And I think as well in this day and age, I mean, you can put anything you want on the internet through Mm -hmm. social media or YouTube or whatever. And so whatever you do with passion, people from all over the world can now discover that and see that and participate in that passion with you and support you in that. And so now more than ever, if there's some different niche or something that you're interested in, like this is the time to be able to make a living off of it. Exactly. I completely agree. And I think passion, you know, it really drives everything. Yes, for sure. Okay. I have a couple of questions about some of the things that you were talking about. Um, So 
you are an acne specialist. Is that your main thing? Yes. So acne, age management, anything that's corrective, that's where I really find my niche. Okay. Awesome. I love that so much. And, you know, adult acne, when I was hearing you talk about that, that is so real and it is, it takes such an emotional toll on people's lives. I read a statistic one time that adult people, adults with acne are more, are statistically more likely to be unemployed than adults who do not have acne. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It really does play a toll on you and it exactly. affects your relationships. It affects your job performance. It can mm-hmm. affect every aspect of your life. Especially, exactly. Yeah. And especially if it's something, you know, like you, Savannah, where you didn't ever deal with it growing up. Mm-hmm. Just you're like gorgeous and great. And then one day you wake up, you're like, whoa, what is going on with my skin? Oh, girl, I was convinced for a month that I was getting like mosquito bites in my sleep. Like I honestly was <laughs> in denial. I really was. I was like, oh my God, I keep getting bug bites. What is this? And my mom's like, honey, those are pimples. And I was like, oh no, I don't get acne. That's not a thing that happens to me. I don't do that. And it was so bad. Oh, I have a scar on my face from a pimple that I thought was a bug bite. And I was just going at it, girl, with my fingernails. So, I mean, it was bad. Like, I was literally, I had no idea. I was like, no, you get acne when you're a teenager. I'm not a teenager. Well, I was 18, so I kind of was. But, you know, I was transitioning to that young adult. And so I was like, no, this doesn't happen. But I completely agree with you when you're talking about confidence and jobs. Um, Something, you know, I really realized I have a lot of male clients and, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, it's a girly thing to do, but they don't understand like men, they can't cover their face with makeup. I mean, they could, but straight, you know, men nowadays, they don't at this point in time wear makeup. Right. right. And so they're going to work. And, you know, my dad's even said when he's doing my brother's headshots, like, oh, can you face tune this out? Because it doesn't look professional. It looks like he's sloppy. He doesn't care about himself, but that's not the truth. The truth is my brother has acne. Mm -hmm. It's not. He washes his face. He does all the things I tell him to do, but it's something that he suffers with. And people in this world are so harsh. They'll look at you if you don't have straight teeth and your parents didn't buy you braces, you know, that you don't take care of your teeth or, you know, you have acne. That means you don't take care of yourself. So why would they trust you with business? And so it's so hard to see my clients go through that because it breaks my heart because I know they take care of their skin. I know they're clean people. I know that they're smart. They're wonderful. They're beautiful, whatever it may be, but their acne is holding them back in whatever it is they're trying to achieve in life and I hate that the world is like that but it is and I'm so grateful that I'm here to give them a way to fix that and make it easier on them because it is it is so true the world is hard they're judgmental and people will look at someone with acne and you know make assumptions because they're not educated yeah exactly I was gonna say that it's it's so true what you're saying, and especially from the male perspective, a lot of men don't know that these resources are available to them. They don't know that it's something they can fix. And even in, you know, like you were saying, in this world today, especially amongst straight men, even if they do know that those kinds of resources are available, they're like, well, I'm a, a guy. I don't, I can't a go. And, exactly. Mm-hmm. So rather than going and finding the resources to fix the problem, they just hide the problem. And they, with the case of acne, they have to hide themselves or if they have bad teeth and they just don't smile anymore. And it's so sad that, um, they live that way, that they think that there aren't those options available to them or that it will demasculate them in some way if they participate in those options. So I love that you have clearly created 
an environment where male clients know that they're safe to come, that they're deserving of that self-care and they can get the help that they need to take care of their skin. Exactly. And, you know, my boyfriend, he was like, oh my gosh, men come to you. And I'm like, they're they hitting on you. I'm like, no, babe, they want their face fixed. Okay. Not all men think like that. They're not coming to hit on me. It's because they want to do their skin and they want to take care of it. And it's, I love my male clients so much because I know it's such a new environment for them. And I really get to nurture and heal and help them, you know, get through it because it is hard. And, you know, I have one client who he told me, he's like, I don't know if I want to live with my acne scars and get made fun of for that or go to work tomorrow with a microneedled red face and get made fun of and get called names from my coworkers. And I'm like, I know they both suck, but the good news is, you know, with microneedling, we'll get you to that skin clearer and faster. And so you won't have to deal with people making comments about your acne scars. Exactly. And so it is, it's, it's very touchy for them and it is very hard. Yeah. Well, I didn't even think of this as a, like, it never crossed, because I didn't have acne. My brother did. I didn't even think of this as like a huge deal. Like it is. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, because I didn't suffer from it. So I had no reason to know. Um, but, but yeah, I just got in, like, I just got into like getting my feet done recently. Like that's, that's my jam, Savannah. That <laughs> I is love my pedicures. jam. Massage at the end, scrub my feet, clip my, I, I feel pampered. Mm-hmm. But, and, um, just really getting into this industry, being with Melissa is just like really opened my eyes to a lot of things that like, yeah, men are really afraid. Mm-hmm. to drop down not even drop down a level but just to be taken care of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like it's, it's it's just really shocking because it'll be a pretty boy mm-hmm. and all this like oh you just just trying to be healthy yeah, <laughs> yeah just and take to, care of your skin yeah, yes yeah. and i always tell people that i feel like skincare is health care at some points when it comes to acne and things like this like i'm helping people not only with their skin but their mental health you know i am a therapist sometimes for these women and men because Acne is not just painful physically, it's painful emotionally and mentally, and it's, it sucks. And so being an acne specialist, people think, oh, it just comes with the training of, you know, how to perform the services, but it comes with so much more. I really deal with a lot of emotions and a lot of people's pain and sadness throughout the day. And it's just so rewarding when they come back after they complete the treatments and their skin is clear and they never thought it would happen. I mean, it is the most rewarding feeling. It brings tears to my eyes. Like, I cry sometimes before they cry because I know it's getting better before they can tell. Um, And it really, it's, acne affects so many people. And if you haven't dealt with it, you really, truly don't understand it. And you don't know how to be there for somebody. And for me, that was how I was. I didn't sympathize with any of my friends in high school that had acne because I didn't have it. And all their moms would be like, what's Savannah using on her skin? I was using like literally clean and clear um mm-hmm. Neutrogena grapefruit wash and I didn't have any issues and so something I love to preach with skincare is just because you don't have issues now doesn't mean you'll have is- you won't have issues down the road so a lot of times prevention is so important to prevent that problem from occurring and of course hormones things like that you know there's not much you can do at that point skincare wise to prevent it hormones mm-hmm. are hormones they have a mind of their own but there are a few things that we can do you know to minimize you know, the aftermath. Yeah. Is acne something that has to be kept up with as far as like, like for the rest of your life, make sure it doesn't come back. Is it something like that? Or is it like there's a treatment for it and it'll be good. Or do you constantly, I know you constantly have to wash your face appropriately, but like, 
yeah, does it come back or is it something that's a cure for? So with acne, it's not curable, but it is maintainable and we can, you know, really help someone achieve clear skin if we keep them on the right products. So, you know, acne can be so confusing. It really happens with the gut. And so when people have a good diet and, you know, they're on the right birth control and their hormones aren't out, out of whack um, and they're using the correct products to prevent it, it can help. But of course, someone that has acne prone skin, if they're going to get stressed out, if they get pregnant, you know, whatever it may be, of course, they're going to have some flare ups. But my job is to make it more manageable and to prevent it from getting as bad as it ever was. I love that you brought up that acne starts in the gut because I think a lot of estheticians kind of forget that the skin Mm -hmm. is an organ. It's only one organ of the body and all of our body is connected. Like everything in our body is connected to each other. And so if you're only focusing on what the client is putting on their skin every day, then you are missing a huge portion of how you can help that client achieve their optimal skincare goals. Exactly. And that's something I preach so often and something I love with a company I work with for my acne boot camp is they really talk about the gut. The gut is so important. What we eat, what we put in our body, it all reflects on the face. And yeah, that's honestly how I've cleared most of my clients has been through their diet and of course the help of acne topicals. That's awesome. I think that's so fantastic. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, you had mentioned in the beginning when you were telling your story about how you're a very sensitive person, that you're emotional. And um, how do you balance not taking that on, like taking on the emotions of your clients when they come in and they have their self-esteem issues and they're struggling with their acne? Like, how do you balance being there for them without carrying that weight and letting it weigh you down personally? So for me, a lot of meditation, self-reflection, and praying honestly really, really helps. Being in touch with my spirituality has really helped me, you know, find a good balance um, with my job. But I do think being so emotional and being so caring, honestly, is why I'm so successful because my clients know and they can feel my energy and they can know that I care about them so much. It's not about the money for me. It's not about you know, whatever other people's motives may be for me, I care about them more than just a client. I truly, truly pray for them. Um, I think about them often, you know, I'm there to answer their texts at two in the morning when they're freaking out and are drunk and forgot their skincare routine and don't know what to do. And so having that emotional side, of course, it can be hard for me because I am sensitive. I'm like, oh, well, why'd that client reschedule? And I'm thinking worst case scenario. And it's just because they forgot their husband's birthday, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Being a sensitive person, it has its downsides, but I do think it honestly is one of the biggest reasons I became so successful um, so quickly because my clients feel that and I'm not just, you know, in and out, come in, come out. I really care about them. I remember, you know, everything I can about them and I make them feel loved and cared for because you really don't know what's going on outside of someone's life. I have clients that they just come to see me so often their skin's good now but they come because they want to be around me and that's something that is so special to me that people feel my energy and they feel my love and they want to see me because of the loving energy I bring off and not just because of the results they're seeing yes I completely relate to that I when I had my studio spa I mean I don't get me wrong like I am a great esthetician a great treatment provider but I realized that my clients were coming to me for me. 
and for the relationship that I was building with them for the care and the empathy that I shared with them. I mean, they could go to anybody to get their peels or their lashes done, honestly, like tons and tons of people offered the technically and everyone's the so same. talented. Right. Yes. Exactly. Tons of people can do essentially what we do, but there's only one you, there's only one me. Mm-hmm. And your ideal clients are the ones who not only appreciate the services that you provide and the results that they gain from you, but they appreciate you and the environment that you provide. Again, the empathy that you can bring to them. And I, I have clients be like, oh, I, you know, something happened with work or they had to cut back on my hours. And so I'm not going to be able to come back in anymore. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm going to have to cancel my appointments. And then within like a month, they'd call me and they'd be like, I just miss you so much. Can I come back in and maybe just get wa- like brow waxes instead of all of that? I just need to check in with you. I'm like, sure, I love it. Come back. But it was because they, they loved that nurturing and empowering relationship that they were able to get through me. Exactly. And, you know, it's something that's so wonderful. Like I say, like my clients, like they're my best friends. They're my clients at the end of the day, but I love them so much. I've created such intense, deep relationships with them, you know, where they are everything to me and I care so, so, so much for them. So I think, you know, having that emotional side, yes, it can be so hard for me, you know, especially when you like don't have a client that's your client anymore and you cared so much for them on a you know, personal level and not a skincare level, you know, things like that. It can be difficult being such an emotional person, but at the end of the day, I'd rather be this way than not have emotions at all. And, um, you know, I think it just comes with growing and, you know, a lot of meditation and prayer to really get yourself grounded and have those boundaries and balance. And that's something I love so much about what you're doing is because for me, boundaries and balance is something that I work on daily because I am such a lover and a giver. And, you know, if someone is like, Oh, I can't afford this. Like I'm the first person to be like, here, take it, you know, because Mm -hmm. I have such a big giving heart, but it's not the best for business because sometimes I have to step down from my caregiving role and put on my boss hat and be like, no, you're a boss. At the end of the day, yes, we love our clients, but we're here to make money and, you know, feed the cats at home, but it can be really hard to differentiate the two. Yeah, no, and that was something that I was going to bring up. I mean, it is possible to have these wonderful relationships with your clients and still be boundaried and still operate your business like a business. You'll be able to start navigating people and recognize, like, there are some people that you may, um, you know, like you were saying, like, oh, here, just take it or whatever, that you'll see that they truly appreciate it and they and that mm-hmm. strengthens the relationship. And then there may be some people who are like, oh, okay, you give a mouse a cookie next time I'm going to ask for a glass of milk, you know, and they're exactly. kind of trying to yep. play the system and manipulate. So you have to be, um, you have to be observant, honestly, oh, and yeah. be definitely honest with yourself about the vibes that you're getting from somebody and recognize, okay, with this person, I need to be more boundaried with this person. Mm-hmm. I know that I can, um, you know, loosen up a little bit, but they're still going to respect me. They're still going to respect what I'm providing for them. And so you've just got to be often, you can't, I mean, not often, you've just got to be open. And um, you've got to remember, like you said, yes, we're in the service industry. And yes, we're providing a wonderful experience for our clients. But ultimately, we're in the, we're in the business of making money. Like we're in the business of providing a life for ourselves. Exactly. No, I completely agree. And I think, you know, too, I am such an open person, which I'm sure y'all have seen from my Instagram. Like I, love my platform so much because so many years I would hide all my emotions inside and, you know, I felt very alone and I would just bury them. And now, you know, I have 
where I can share my truth and I can talk about the good sides of the industry and the bad sides and like what goes on in my, my followers and my clients. They love that because they can keep up with me. And of course, having a social media and the presence that I have, you know, the way I really made my brand is yes, I'm professional, but I'm fun too. And I can, you know, drop an F-bomb once in a while, but mm-hmm. I can also educate you about skincare. And um, my clients, you know, they know me before they come and see me. And that's mm-hmm. something that I think is so important and something I talk about a lot in my social media branding and marketing classes is people want to feel comfortable with you. I mean, people come in and they're like, I feel like I already know you. And we just met three seconds ago, or they'll know my cat's name. They know, you know, products that I use. They know the experience that they're going to be getting at my um, facility because they follow me. And I'm so open on my page that people, you know, already know who I am before they know me, which is, I think, so great and wonderful because I, they don't feel scared. They don't feel intimidated. I mean, it's so hard going into a place. I have so many clients tell me, I just have never wanted to go get a facial because my skin's so bad and I was embarrassed and I was scared and like, I just didn't even want to go. And they tell me, well, you're just so open and honest about, you know, you have butt pimples and you talk about your butt pimples on your Instagram. And Mm -hmm. it made me feel so comfortable with you that I booked with you because I feel like you're not going to judge me. And I feel like I already know the kind of person you are. And that's what I'm saying. People think we're selling a service. We're selling ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. we're really, really marketing ourselves. And the more comfortable someone feels with you, the more likely they are to see you and the more likely they are to buy from you. Um, buying and sales it's all likability and so if you have that relationship and people trust you they literally would buy water you know or dirt from the ground from you because they mm-hmm. trust you so much and so you know I think honestly with having my compassionate side that has helped me so much in this industry um, because I am able to be that person that listens and loves them and cares for them and it's not just I am your esthetician and that is it I'm going to do your treatment and just, you know, talk about the basic stuff. Like if they feel like they need to talk to me about something like, I don't know, people just say they have that feeling. You know, when you go to someone and you're just around them and you just start like spilling your problems, that's mm-hmm. what people do to me. And it's yep. because of that comfort vibe that I put off. Yep. <clears throat> yep, that's exactly. And I, I talk about this in the Boundaries and Aesthetics book. I mean, I had clients that, you know, they'd walk in the door and be like, oh my gosh, the best thing happened. You're the first person I'm telling that I got a promotion, you know, or I'm pregnant. I haven't told my family yet. And we're so excited. But then and you, you get to share in their emotions and their joys because they know you and they trust you. But then on the flip side, you also have people who sometimes come in and it's the worst day of their life. I just got laid mm-hmm. off or my husband just told me he wants to divorce me. And there were sometimes when people would come in for a treatment and they would be so overcome with whatever negative thing was happening in their lives. It's like, okay, we're not doing a treatment. Let's just sit here and talk. We're just going to sit and I'm going to hug you and you can cry as much as you need to. I'm going to cry with you. We're going to get through this. And, and, you know, of course, like you could sit and be like, oh, well, but then you didn't get, make any money. And, oh, did you charge them a cancellation fee? Fuck no. Like, that, no. that's you being a kind and genuine person and having empathy toward mm-hmm. the people that you serve. And so there is that balancing act, like recognizing what your clients need, being for them, being there for them in a way that will strengthen that relationship. And I, I just love what you were saying about how your clients come to you because they feel like they already know you. And I mm-hmm. wanted to ask, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was, what do you feel like you do differently that other solo estheticians aren't doing. And I think that one of those things is that you are you on your social media. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, I'm like, take it or leave it. I say that all the time. I'm like, this is me. I'm fun, crazy, hyper, upbeat, but, you know, also I'm sensitive and I'm emotional. And when I'm hurt, I tell people I'm hurt. And, you know, I'm here to speak my voice in this industry. And I've had so much positive feedback where people are like, oh, my God, the same situation happened to me. I'm so glad you talked about it because I am a voice in the industry. And so, yes, all the time it's not going to be rainbows and butterflies and positivity, but I'm also here to be real and talk about the truth and, like, what really goes on in my life because, it's so easy to look at my Instagram and think that I'm just this like blonde Texas young girl just living the life, but I have a lot more layers to me. And that's something I wanted to show through my stories and my feed posts that, you know, I've gone through stuff. I still go through stuff. My life is not perfect. My business isn't perfect. And that's okay because it's so easy for us to get on social media and follow our favorite blogger, our favorite influencer, and they just wake up perfect and their hair is perfect and they're having their avocado toast and (laughs) Their cute little golden doodle, you know, is eating a bone and their husband's coming home, cooking dinner. I mean, it's just like, it's just disgusting. And I'm like, wow, that's not real at all. And so when I really started posting on social media, I was like, I'm just going to be me and see how it goes. And that's literally how my page grew. And that's what I tell everyone. They think it's the infographics and the charts. Of course, those get good repost and tractions. But what really built my following was not charts it was me it was me being genuine I would get on there with my hair all messed up um you know and I would just talk I wouldn't even talk about skincare stuff sometimes like this is kind of gross but it's about my cats um I remember one time one of my cats was having tummy issues and I couldn't figure out which cat it was so I was on my live and I was like I literally just went sniff each one of my cat's buttholes to figure out which one was having cat diarrhea and you know people just loved it and there and I was like it was just me talking to literally 300 people and Mm -hmm. um I just being myself and you know acting the way I would around my friends and my family it really just brought traction to my page because people are like oh my gosh this girl is real she's genuine she's not you know waking up with perfect hair like I'm sure y'all seen some of my stories where I look whack and that's because that's my life. I'm not perfect. I don't always look great. Of course, I can go get a good photo shoot, you know, for some branding photos. But the truth is, I don't look like that all the time. And the truth is, you know, I have a crazy hectic life and it's not perfect. And my business isn't perfect. And that's really what drew traction from followers, clients and other estheticians. I really, really believe it. Hey, Savannah, real quick, I have a quick question for Melissa. Yes. Before Melissa expands on that. How long or like, did it take you to have the, or was it just natural to have the confidence you have, especially at your age, and just being accepting with yourself and kind of like the, it is what it is mentality? So growing up, I actually dealt with a lot of depression and bullying. And something about me is I'm a perfectionist. It sucks, but it's also wonderful. And I always tell people that's my kryptonite. I care so much. I'm a perfectionist. I want everyone to like me. I want everything to be perfect, but I'm also very hard on myself and I'm my, my own worst enemy. And so growing up dealing with that through high school and, you know, going through anorexia and body image issues and, you know, just never feeling good enough and feeling really depressed. You know, I did so much therapy at a very young age and I was very thankful that my parents got me the help I needed at a young age um, because I learned how to cope with it. And I learned how to love myself. And I think a lot of people sadly struggle with that alone and they never really learn how to accept themselves and be who they are. And I don't think I ever would have if I didn't go through the therapy I went through and going through the coping mechanisms that I have now, because, 
you know, I was so perfect all the time. And I would get up at four in the morning and I would put my hair extensions in and I would straighten them. I was like your little blonde Barbie in high school. I, you know, weighed a hundred pounds. I danced. I was, you know, so obsessed with being this perfect little blonde Dallas girl. And it was awful for me. It tore my mental health apart. And, you know, I really strayed away from that. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to eat my baked potato. I'm going to be okay with my cellulite. I'm going to be okay with the scars I have on my face. I'm going to be okay with it because I have to be because this is me and I love myself. And, um, you know, of course, I'm not going to lie to you. I still struggle. It's so hard, you know, being on social media and especially being in this industry where we have to have perfect skin and we have to look great and everyone has lip injections. And, you know, it's a very superficial industry. And so I wanted to bring that side of, yes, I can turn it on girlfriend when I got to turn it on, but this is what I look like 98% of the time. I'm not perfect. And I talk about my arm fat or my muffin top or, you know, my butt pimples. And I think I wish I had that person when I was going through what I was going through. And so that's why I am the way I am now, because I want to be that voice for other girls to see, oh, my gosh, this girl is, you know, can be cute sometimes. But, you know, she really is herself and this is normal. And, oh, my God, she has butt pimples, too. I'm not a disgusting creature like other people have butt pimples you know Mm -hmm. and I think people don't talk about the issues they have because they want to you know project perfection and I think that's disgusting and it grosses me out and I don't follow pages like that and so when I was building my Instagram I really looked at what am I watching what am I looking at and everyone I was following was real and would show their real life and so I was like that's what I'm gonna do and that's what I did and you know just it's just been amazing to give other women confidence. Like you don't have to be a size zero. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have glass skin. You know, your hair doesn't have to be done all the time to be a presence on social media. And I honestly think the ones that do the best are the ones that are themselves. Your story really resonates with me. And I'm like, okay, soul sister, let's chat for a second. I love you. (laughs) Um, Because I, I mean, I've experienced a lot of what you are describing. Like I always, I mean, I grew up a perfectionist. Everything was about how I looked. I had to look like I had it all together. I had to look like I was perfect. I had to, you know, I dealt with anorexia for years and years as well. And um, it wasn't until, honestly, it wasn't until I was like 26 that I started realizing that I was living my life just for other people, that I was completely miserable. I had just a complete mental breakdown. And from there, I was able to rebuild and really discover who I am and not even who I want to be, but who I genuinely truly am as a person. And when I, you know, I had my studio spa during that time and it was so cool to be able to see how, as I transitioned, my clientele transitioned and my business Mm -hmm. transitioned and everything became like when I got in my accident and lost my business before that, everything was wonderful and perfect in my business. I didn't have a single client that I wasn't absolutely crazy about. I didn't have a single service I was doing that I didn't totally love. I mean, everything was like, this is the best experience of my life, but Mm -hmm. I still had more growth to do because I wasn't quite where I needed to be yet. I was learning. But, um, so after my accident, you know, as our audience knows, I went into the Los Angeles police department and I went into the Academy and in the Academy, my like life just honestly that's where I feel like my life began that was like the same time that I met Royal and everything just changed for me and I was like oh my gosh I am allowed to be this like super strong badass 
motherfucking like powerhouse, you know, I but love it. I didn't yeah. know that I was allowed to be that way. So the point of all of this is that, um, I'm really inspired by what you're saying because Royal and I have realized, you know, since I, I was injured in the Academy and I had to resign and I've, you know, gone back into the aesthetics in- industry to mm-hmm. bring what I learned from the Academy. But what I've realized is that I've started kind of reverting back to the perfectionism. Yes. Because mm-hmm. when I started, it's a hard hole. It yeah, sucks you in. It yeah. is. And when I started in the industry in the aesthetics industry, I was that like, perfect people pleaser let's be like sweet and gentle and nice to everybody not like I'm mean to people but yeah um, no yeah no I know yeah and so um Royal and I were talking yesterday and I was like look at our Instagram I have all these colors on here I hate peach like what am I doing why did I pick this color I picked it because everybody I'm like oh girls like peach and estheticians like this color you know and I'm like I just want to live in a world of black and beige and gray and there you go like I am so my point is that I have been even though I feel so strongly about who I've become and the person that I know I truly am it's been hard for me to be true to that in mm-hmm. in the industry and so oh I agree for, yeah. and that's it's scary and it's hard and see speaking on that like that's something you know that I deal with daily and I know I inspire so many girls and I love that but it's like the reason you know it hits so close to home for me when people you know they think oh she's you know just being dramatic when people copy my charts or my brand or my aesthetic it's like I literally worked so hard my entire life to not be anybody else you know like mm-hmm. when I was younger I copied everybody gosh mm-hmm. I mean I did not know who I was I was having an identity crisis one day I wore Hollister the next day I wanted to wear PacSun like mm-hmm. I literally thought I was emo I had gauges at one point so I had my nose pierced and like that's not who I am and I was so lost for so many years and aesthetics is honestly I tell people this every day what saved me I was extremely depressed did not know who I was, had no direction, you know, went into nursing school because I know I like to help people and that's what my daddy wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just did not know who Savannah Boda was. And so now that I have, and I'm like so authentic and genuinely me and like, there's no influence from anyone else. Like I'm in my own little bubble in my world of Savannah town. And like, I just, you know, do what I love to do. And if I like it, I like it. And that's something that, you know, for me was so crazy was, People liked who I really am, you know, because I wasn't putting on a persona. I wasn't putting on a front. I finally was, this is who I am. I'm going to let my Instagram show who I am. And I'm not going to worry about, you know, what other people think. And of course, you know, that's uh, people have opinions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have always been very loud on social media about what I believe in and what I like and what I don't like. And I wasn't afraid of, oh, my God, that's going to hurt someone's feelings or that's going to be bad you know, that someone else likes that skincare line. I'm like, I know I'm not going to bash them by any means, but if I don't like it and I don't use it, this is why, and this are my opinions, you know? And so I think so many estheticians, why I stand out and why my page started to stand out is because, you know, everyone follows the formula. Like this is how everyone does it. Like I'm sure you've seen aesthetics pages. I think it's getting better now. Um, But so back in the day, you know, everyone had the same formula. The page, you know, was all white and you know, everyone just did the exact same theme on social media and everyone shared the same memes. Like if you saw one meme on someone's page, it was on another person's page. Like everyone reshared the same content and it was so recycled over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it worked because that's how people became successful. And so I think a lot of people, you know, they see a formula, they see it the way someone does something and they try to emulate it because 
that's how people do well. Like we see it all the time with brands like, you know, makeup brands, skincare brands, with packaging. I mean, everyone does what, what sells and what makes money. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with my page, I was like, I'm going to be a little loud. (laughs) I'm going to be this pink blonde Dallas girl. And I'm going to really just use my platform to speak my truth. And, you know, of course, sometimes people don't like it and sometimes people do, but that's for me, you know, when it hits so close to home, when I see things, you know, that I've worked so hard on being replicated and emulated, it's because, you know, I worked so hard to finally become at peace with who I am. And I feel sad for them, honestly, because I'm like, I remember feeling that way. And I don't want anyone to feel that way. Like you can be you and be amazing. Like you don't have to be me. You don't have to do the same things I did. Like you can do things your own way. And that's what I want people to get from this is like, the reason I'm successful is not because of the way I did it. It's because I did who I am and I am who I am. Mm -hmm. So if you are who you are and you do things and live your life the way you want to do it, you're going to do amazing because there's only one you. Why would someone want to follow you if you just copy what I do? Because they already follow me. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to preach to people is like, you have to be something that no one else is. You have to make that audience love you. Like, why would you want to do something someone else has done? It's not the way to do it. You know, to grow your page, you really have to be, your own entity and your own vibe and your own aesthetic. And that's what draws people in. People don't like to see the same old, same old run of the mill. And so like I can give you the tips and tricks, but you just have to do it in your own way and you have to make it your own and own it. Yes. Oh, that's so perfect. And uh, I mean, these are all, I feel like this conversation at this time is so serendipitous for us because these are things that Royal and I have been talking about together for the past several weeks, like within our brand. So yeah. um, I don't know. It just has brought me a lot of inspiration and our listeners know, like we're not perfect at what we're doing. We're still like figuring things out and making things grow and um, things are going to change. So just like you were saying with the peach, like you felt like you had to do that because that's what sells and that's what everyone does. And that's like the color that attracts people. And it's like, yeah, it does, but it's not, you know, like you said, it's not you, You're, you're more black and beige. And so that's what I try to teach people. I'm like, yes, like, of course, making charts are good and doing things this way is great, but like you have to be you and that's what sells is you. Like you are enough, you are good enough. And that's why it's so frustrating for me because I just, I hate that other people feel like they're not confident or good enough to be who they really are because they are good enough and they are, and they should feel confident enough, you know? And it just breaks my heart because I am so thankful, you know, I'm a baby, I'm 22, and I'm so thankful to have this insight and like, how much I've grown at such a young age um, because it takes people forever to get there and I'm still learning and I'm still growing. But if I didn't go through, you know, the depression and the therapy that I went through, like I can't even imagine. I don't, I don't, I don't honestly don't think I'd be here, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, mentally I, or physically. Yeah. I like what you said about, um, it's kind of like, why would they follow you if they follow me, but you're doing me like they already follow mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. It's because, I really think that when when people aren't themselves and when they try to transition to like being authentic, it's really a psychological thing. Like as far as doing something a thousand times, then it becomes a habit. Mm-hmm. So you have to train yourself to keep being yourself. It's a daily talk. It's a daily like drill mm-hmm. um, until it becomes a habit. And I think that once they have that formula down to be themselves, even on social media, it would translate so well to when you put that phone down and walk into the real world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and oh my gosh. Couldn't have said that better. 
No, I mean, I just think it's so true. And one of the other things that I want to bring up is that you were like, I'm going to be me. And if people don't like it, oh, well. And honestly, the, the thing that you have to remember is that if people don't like what you're putting out, that's fine because it means they're not your ideal client. It means they're not one of your true fans. And so you don't want them taking up space in your circle anyway. So exactly. be you, let people go. The, the ones who are meant to stay will stay. The ones who can truly value your message and what you bring to the table will be there to partake. Exactly. And, you know, even just, you know, from the beginning of my page to where I am now, I can just see, knowing myself, I can see so much growth of, you know, how my verbiage has changed and the way I'm doing things. Because, of course, in the beginning when I was trying to grow my page, I was emulating every big esthetician. I was like, this is how they became big. I'm going to do this. And guess what? I lost followers over gaining them because mm-hmm. it's just, it's not me. And it was so awkward and uncomfortable. And that's why it's hard. It's hard when you're trying to do some, something that's not you. It's easy when you're yourself. And I just hate that people feel, you know, that they aren't confident enough because I know how that feels. Like I was scared shitless to, um, make my skincare Instagram because I was like, oh my God, all these girls from high school, they're going to bully me. And they did. They said, oh my God, Savannah Boda, she thinks she's this. Savannah Boda is getting fat and that makes me happy. Like there were just Mm -hmm. awful, horrid tweets about me. And that was why I didn't want to do it. And I knew it was going to happen. My mom prepared me. She's like, Savannah, now you know, when you start the skincare page, like people are going to shit on you. And I was like, I know they are mom. Like I know. She's like, you need to be strong. Remember, like, all the therapy you've gone through. Like, you've been through this. You've been through your depression. Like, you are in a better place now. Like, don't let this hold you back from, you know, building your brand and building your business and becoming successful in this industry. Because that's honestly what was holding me back was the fear of rejection, the fear of others talking about me, the fear of people not liking what I have to say, and people making fun of me from my hometown. And that's a real fear that I know so many other estheticians and people in general that are trying to start a social media presence, like they feel that and it's hard, but guess what? I get more love than I get hate now. And, you know, I'm so glad I made that leap and, you know, had the confidence to do it because it was terrifying. And I backed out so many times I would want to do it. I'd want to get on lives and then I'd end it, you know? And it's just, it breaks my heart because I feel like we try as humans and, you know, with humanity to, be loving and accepting but there's still that group of people that are just energy suckers and they you know are just negative and they pull you down and so I mean my hope for this industry is that we can all just love each other and be supportive of one another and you know not put each other down and really support each other's businesses yep I really like like what you said I think that I'm going to try to like blend my police world into this. Give me a second. I'm trying to think. So while I'm in the police field, I, you know, I've been in fights. I've been in car chases. I've pulled my guns out on people. I've done it almost pretty much all. I've been spit on and cussed out daily, like on a daily basis for doing what I'm supposed to do, doing what I love to do. And I think that all these estheticians are so afraid to be scrutinized and to be shit on pretty much and all that. But I think if you flip your mindset a little bit and you, I think you need these things because mm-hmm. it's all character carving. That's what it all is. That's what it really comes down to. It's character carving. When this is all said and done, how will you be after this? You're just growing. They're just chop. They're just, they're just carving you a little bit, seeing what you can take. You're and you will know what you can take. Now I know 
personally, there is nothing you can't say to me. There is nothing you can't do to me that I can't bounce back from. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think yeah, it's sad to be bullied and sad you know, to be scrutinized, but sad to say we all we all will go through it. But um, yep, and, and yeah. we've all been the bully, you know, trying to protect ourselves, and it's just yep. it's sad. It mm-hmm. really is sad. And so that's like for me with personal growth, like that's really what changed my mindset was, you know, the positive feedback I was getting and knowing like there's a bigger picture at the end. And like, I want to be a voice for girls, especially now, honestly, one of my biggest driving forces was I want to be something my kids are going to be proud of. And I want other young girls on social media that are, you know, 15, 13 years old to see, okay, this girl doesn't have to have her boobs out. This girl doesn't have to take booty pics to become successful. Mm -hmm. And you know, to become something and I don't have to be mean and I don't have to pretend to be somebody else. And I don't have to make avocado freaking toast in the morning with my golden doodle. Like I don't have to do those things. I can be me, you know, I can have my bed head and my, you know, stinky little cats and it's okay. And so that's something I wish I had me when I was going through what I was going through at a younger age. And that's really what drives my page is I want to be that voice for younger girls and younger women that, you know, don't feel comfortable with themselves and feel like they have to be perfect and are dealing with, you know, body dysmorphia, body issues, because it is so hard being a 13 year old girl in America right now. Like it's miserable. Like I would, I would never go back to that. You know, I would, Oh, you couldn't pay me enough money to go back to high school and have to relive what I went through, but it made me what I am now and it made me stronger. Um, and so, yeah, that's really what my page is for is to make other women feel like they can be themselves and they can cuss and they can be raunchy and funny and professional and educated and smart and heal skin and, you know, be a boss ass bitch and it's okay. And you do it your own way. Amen, Savannah. I love it. I think that's so great. And, um, yeah, I, I'm sure that so many people listening needed to hear this from you. I mean, I'm one of them, like we've already talked about and uh yeah. I love you so just like I you saw you. my skincare music video I see how cringy it was and I was so scared but I was like you know what I said F it I'm gonna do it it's gonna be hilarious people are gonna think I'm serious people are gonna think I think I can sing but I know I can't and that's not the point the point is it's fun and it's me and I want to bring a smile on someone's face and of course you know I got so much hate I'm pretty sure the YouTube video has more dislikes than likes but oh it's gosh. okay because yeah. I don't care you know <laughs> I saw it when I saw it, and I watched it, <laughs> and I looked at Melissa, and I was like, oh, Savannah Boda, Savannah Boda got balls today. <laughs> okay. I love it. I was like, okay. She's feeling herself. I thought it was so fun. I thought it was cute. I love, like, I I'm like, good for you. That's yeah. honestly, like, good for you. Go do what you want to do. Go. I mean, you're doing something that nobody, who's the last person who made a skin music video you know what I mean like you're doing you yeah. you're bringing something new and fresh to the industry like I think it's great I love it yeah I got thank a kick you. out of it yeah I think it's thank fantastic you. oh yeah my boyfriend was like oh my gosh are you gonna like drop out of skincare and go be a rapper now and I was like no babe I'm not <laughs> but, but just but just to let you know I've already been signed <laughs> but it's just right? gonna be my side hustle don't worry <laughs> and see and that's what I want I want it just to be fun and like you know we can be fun and professional but we can also be ourselves and like I knew I was going to get a lot of backlash but I like a girl it makes me tear up because I never in a million freaking years thought I would ever do anything like this like I was the girl that was terrified to make a noise or 
walk, you know, rock the boat or make mm-hmm. a wave. Like I was a people pleaser. I wore Sperry's. I wore Miss Me jeans. I wore my Hollister button up. Like mm-hmm. I was your generic, like teenage girl. Like I did not do anything that no one else did. I didn't want to do fun hair colors. Like I did not live my life. I listened to country music for like six years when I fucking hated it because everyone else went to those concerts. <laughs> like literally. I, you know, did everything because I thought I had to do it that way. Like, I did things I hated because I didn't want to be different. And I hung out with girls I hated because that was what I was supposed to do. And I was supposed to be friends with them and, you know, do all the things that they do. And, you know, I honestly would have been better off with the outcasts and the ones that were themselves. Mm -hmm. And those are the people I envy are the ones that knew who they were, you know, all the way back in eighth grade. You know, and those are the ones that got bullied, but they still went through it and they were themselves. And I, you know, was a coward and I, you know, emulated what I thought I had to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, again, I just, all of this resonates with me so much. And one thing that I want to say for our listeners is this is all a process. Like figuring out how to be your true self is a process. Like I've already admitted, I'm still going through that. Like I, I know who I am, but I'm still working on presenting that to everybody and being true to that in a public space. And so it's not like a you wake up one morning and you're like, okay, this is me. I'm great. I'm easy. Like this is, I mean, I'm not, I'm not easy, whatever, but I'm like, you know, it's easy for me to be me. No, this takes Mm -hmm. time. This take, like Royal was saying, this takes practice. You need to make it a habit and you're going to put yourself out there and you might get shot down a little bit, but you've got to get back on the horse and keep trying and keep growing. And believe in yourself enough to give it the time it takes to be you. Yep. And you know, one of my biggest advice to people, they have the resources and they have the ability to do this. I think this is what helped me. Um, when I was going through my depression, I did go, you know, to therapy and I didn't have my phone on me. I didn't have anything that I could identify myself with. You know what I'm saying? No necklaces, no jewelry. I was just stripped bare me, you know, the same outfit everyone else was wearing. And I really had, I was forced to be alone in in my head. And I really thought about who I was. I didn't have social media telling me who I am and, you know, TV shows and, you know, worldly influences. And I think if you are someone right now that's listening and you're struggling with your own image and who you are, the best thing you can do is to shut your phone off, to step away from the TV. Don't look at a magazine, like literally put yourself in a space where you can literally just meditate and think about what's your favorite color, like stupid stuff, like your favorite animal. And like, you will literally figure out who you truly deeply are because we see so many things throughout the day that we're forced to like, because they get likes on Instagram. So we think we like them because everybody else likes them, you know, mm-hmm. and it, you get influenced and you don't realize that you are becoming someone you're not because of social media and because of media and because of, you know, what we see. Like i literally the other day bought shoes and I freaking hate them. You know why I bought them? Because everyone else, their mom is wearing them. And I looked and I was like, why the hell do I have these? I hate these mm-hmm. shoes, mm-hmm. but everyone else is wearing them. So I felt like I had to have them because everyone else is doing it. And, you know, I still struggle as well, but I'm telling you the thing that helped me the most was to disconnect and have that time to really just be alone with my thoughts and be like, who is Savannah Boda? And I literally said that in my head 30,000 times until I figured out who I was. And when I felt better and I was done with my therapy, like I took on the world with a whole new outlook. And, you know, I was so thankful to have that family support at the time. And I know a lot of people, they don't have time to take a week off, you know, and not make money. Well, quarantine time, actually. So, yes, do it now. Do it now. Yes, I like to time. you. It's the time is now. The time is now. Oh, it's so true. 
thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of this and opening up and, you know, sharing what has helped you grow and what has helped you, you know, make an impact not only in the industry, but in the lives of your clients and in your own life. We just really appreciate all of the insight that you have shared with us and our listeners today. Of course. And I just absolutely love your story. And I had no idea how many similarities you and I have. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's amazing. And it's just the connections like this, when you open up and you are, who you are, you make friends and you make these connections with people that you maybe never could have made, you know, just having that superficial level. Exactly. And so it's just so amazing. It really is. And you are so inspiring and I love what you're doing. And um, it's just so unique and refreshing and I haven't seen anything like it before and you're speaking your truth and with you and your husband just support that you give estheticians and the support you give each other is just it's inspiring and I mean we're so blessed and lucky to have a leader like you in the industry like I just am in awe with what you're doing thank you so much Savannah that really means a lot to us we appreciate we looked at us like us like, okay okay talking about me okay no but really it's amazing it's so amazing it, I mean it really is and you know, to have people like there's so many things in the industry that I want to oh. do that I don't have time to do. And this is something, you know, I wanted to do a podcast, but I never had time for it. And so that the fact that you guys are doing the podcast that like I am obsessed with and I love is it's amazing because you are here to speak to other estheticians and like bring these people on and, you know, really give insight in the world of aesthetics. And it's just it's it's amazing. Y'all are awesome. Thank you so much. so much. We really appreciate it. Um. Before, I mean, I really would love this conversation to go on a lot longer, but um, we'll have to do a part two. I know, definitely. But before we close, we always like to ask our guests to briefly describe what boundaries, balance, health, and safety mean to them. Could you talk about that for a minute? Of course. So for me, what it means is not only putting others before yourself, but also thinking about your own boundaries, balance, health, and safety, because a lot of times, you know, we are caregivers and that's what we're in the industry for that we don't think about ourselves like uh, to be funny the other day I looked at my face I'm like wow it's really been three months since I've dermaplaned myself you know mm -hmm. and we always put others before ourselves and that's not healthy or safety you know you have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of others and that's something I know I struggle with and a lot of other estheticians and caregivers struggle with because that's the whole reason we're in the industry because we don't want to focus on ourselves. We want to focus on others. And so mm -hmm. I think, you know, that balance of taking care of yourself and taking care of your clients is so important because you cannot take care of your clients if you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah, that's so true. And it is easy to get wrapped up in that, like, you know, just the hustle of clients and clients and clients. And, you know, a lot of times we're overbooking ourselves and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so it does get away from us, those moments of self-care that we need and taking time to go to the gym and taking time to pack a real lunch or to dermaplane our own faces or do our own peels or things like that. And it, yeah. it is so necessary to take a step back, be responsible with your time, set time for that. Because if you aren't in a good place, then you can't provide that good place for your clients. Exactly. And overworking yourself is just, you know, that's when health and safety goes out the door because you're so exhausted and you're not thinking, you know, as mm -hmm. sharp and as good as you should be. And so that's why for me, you know, I had to stop working seven days a week because I starting to feel in my own self, like I haven't showered in a day and that's not good. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I think I ate Starbucks uh, cheese Danish for breakfast the past week. So that's mm -hmm. not great either. And, you know, 
my cats missed me. So I think, you know, balance in the industry is so, 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 so important. And um, the boundaries as well, as I was speaking on earlier, it's, you know, something I struggle with and something I'm working on is boundaries is because, you know, I am so loving and open with my clients and, you know, sometimes those boundaries get crossed where they think, oh, Jen and I are cool, you know, like I brought her Starbucks, like it's all good if I'm like 45 minutes late, you know, because we talk about personable things. And so that's a big boundary thing that I'm working on because I do think sometimes I make my clients feel like it's okay Mm -hmm. to do some of the things because I am so close with them. But then, you know, I think, no, they're just taking advantage of my kindness. And so it's hard. It definitely is, especially when you build those very powerful connections with clients to, you know, lay down the law, like, nope, sorry, you actually have to pay this price. And it's not okay that you're 15 minutes late and, you know, all of the above. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so a couple of things, just to comment on what you were saying with balancing your time. I mean, I had that life of working 80 hours a week and seeing clients back to back, you know, just running myself ragged. And when, um, right before I was in my accident, when I, my business was exactly what I wanted it to be. I was working maximum like 20 to 25 hours a week. Like I said, I only had clients that I absolutely loved. I had my pricing set in a way where I didn't need to work more than that. So I was able to have the life that I wanted while running my spa and seeing my clients and doing what I love, but I could keep myself healthy. I could keep my personal relationships healthy. I could take vacation. I mean, it is possible. I want our listeners to know that it is totally possible to implement that boundary, that balance into your life and still be an excellent and successful and thriving esthetician and have wonderful relationships with your clients. So it, but it takes time to figure that out. I mean, it took me several years before I got mm-hmm. to that point. And see, that's where I can use you because that's something, you know, I struggle with and that's how I'm able to do everything I do, run a social media and run a business because I don't take time for myself but you know thankfully you know I'm single well I have a boyfriend but you know we're not married Mm -hmm. and I don't have children and you know I have this is my life and I love it so much that you know I'm so grateful and thankful that I can put everything into it every single day like there's nothing else that I have responsibility for Um, I don't have other mouths to feed besides my cats and they're fine (laughs) and you know it's so you're completely right. It's, you know, something I need to learn sooner or later, because this is not how my life is going to be able to go for the next, you know, 10, 15 years, I'm going to get, you know, run down. Um, and so yeah, with balance, that's, you know, I would love to say that I'm great at it, but I'm not. And that's honest and true for me. I really am that person. I thrive on working and I thrive on staying busy and I love to work. I love to be busy. And, um, I'm that person that will stay like, you know, all night long. Sadly, the salon suites I'm at, they don't lock you out at any time. So technically I could do a facial at 2am if I had to. Mm -hmm. And I hate that for myself, you know? (laughs) So it's hard. Yeah. Oh, I know. I had a, when I was in the beginning stages of my studio, I had a client that could only do facials at, I mean, her peels at midnight on Fridays. Like literally with her work schedule and my work schedule, that was the only time that I could get her in. And you better believe I was showing up and I was doing it. And it took me a little while before I was finally like, this isn't working for me. (laughs) It's not working for me. I'm sure it isn't working for you. You need to go. Let me help you find an esthetician who has better hours for you so that you can get in at a normal time and let that client go because it was not worth it for me. Yep. And see, I think that's hard as we, us being people pleasers and perfectionists, we want 
you know, to control everything and make everything perfect and make those accommodations that we don't want to let people down. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's kind of this sense of, um, like, I don't know, this idea that you're not a great and successful esthetician until you're fully booked, like until you're back booked back to back and you've got this waiting list and all of that. But honestly, that is not sustainable. And you shouldn't have a quantity mindset like that. You need to have a quality mindset because that's when you can provide an excellent experience for all of your clients and for yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it took, and that's something I forgot to touch on that we were supposed to talk about was with, um, you know, the quality over quantity. And that for me is something I had to let go of so many clients that were just not fulfilling my, you know, needs emotionally, I would say not you know, like I have clients, I'd rather someone come in and spend $5 if they're a good client and they're sweet to me than someone that comes in and drops, you know, $900 on skincare and treats me awfully. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's not worth my peace of mind. And, you know, I completely agree. The quality of my life right now is, you know, I'm so glad God bless this quarantine because seriously, my clients have all been saying like, I would not stop working unless there was like an apocalypse or if I was sick. And here we are. So, you know, and that's not healthy. And so I am the first person to admit, like, I know I overwork myself. I, I know I do. Thankfully, I have the stamina to do it right now. But, you know, the boundaries, you know, is something I definitely struggle with. And it's okay to not be perfect. And it's okay not to do everything correct as a business owner. But you have resources like Boss Strong and, you know, what y'all are doing here um, to help you, guide you to have a better lifestyle where you can balance and, you know, learn boundaries. Yeah. And I think it's also important to recognize that when you're starting out and I mean, you're still relatively new in your Mm -hmm. studio, you need eight months. Yeah. So you need to be in a building stage. And so I'm not saying like, okay, right now, right from day one, you should only work 20 hours a week and charge, you know, only sell like $3,000 packages. No, that's not the point. My, what, like everybody has to start. And so build and build as much as you need to until you're able to, you have enough going for you that then you can start cutting back and you can shave off the, you know, the hours or the clients that aren't serving you and you can pare it down until you're able to create that perfect business. So work, like do what you need to do right now, but then allow yourself the permission that when it's time and you start realizing, okay, this isn't getting, this isn't going to be sustainable. I am, you know, the other areas of my life are suffering. I have a lot going for me now in my business. I can start shaping it into what I need it to be long-term. Yep, exactly. And that's why I have two assistants now. Yes. See, exactly. Delegate, you know, yes, that is the way to go. As a controlling perfectionist, I'm sure, you know, it's very hard. I was just about to say perfection. I mean, poor Royal. It's so, he gets so mad at me because I'll be like, okay, I want you to you know, could you start helping me with this and this? Cause I'm, for example, our email, I'm not, I hate doing email marketing. And so I'm like, Royal, can you just handle it? And he's like, yes. So he'll start doing it and I'll come over his shoulder and be like, Oh, can you change? Can you do it? Can you like this? And he's like, let me do it. Stop being yeah. a micromanager. You I are, love it. Yeah. And so I've really had to learn, okay, I'm delegating. This is me delegating. You go do I it. I love it. <laughs> I love that. It's harder with men to make them act and think the same way as you. I know. It really is. It is. It I know. is. <laughs> well, and, and that's a problem that I have. I need to realize like we're such a good team because he doesn't think and act the way I do. Mm-hmm. He is different from me. And you all balance each other. Exactly. And so I have, I'm having to relinquish my control freak side and 
like I think he's great and he is so let him go and he do his great. thing yes yes <laughs> I love y'all y'all are awesome y'all need to come down to Denton and come see me I know oh my gosh we can go to babes do you go to babes yes oh my gosh it's so close to here the Carrollton one yes oh yes I love babes so much. and they have a bunch of little kittens there too really they have like a, a bunch of stray kittens hide behind the babes right oh now my gosh. <laughs> it's been like that for like two years oh my and gosh so, funny story so me being an animal person in general but definitely a cat person I get so pissed every time I go to babes because I will ask and I'm like do y'all feed the cats and they're like no no not really and I'm like you don't feed the cats like you work here and you throw away like a bunch of chicken all day long and you don't feed the fucking cats and they're like no we don't and so I literally will go up and this is confidence I never would have done this a couple years ago but I will literally go to people's plates once they've like finished eating and there's no one at the table you know before the busters can get there and I will take chicken and pick it up with my hands girl with my hands and that's probably how the coronavirus started <laughs> but and i will take the chicken with my hands or whatever you know there is and i will take it to the chick or to the cats and feed them and so my mom will not take me there anymore with her oh my gosh that's <laughs> she's like you're embarrassing me that's so amazing and savannah they have the bags all over the place you know they're to-go bags you can bag your head and pick it up that way <laughs> i know i know but that feels a little sketchy to me they're probably then they'll think i'm trying to like take it home to eat they're like uh, already eating food and think i'm like a weirdo but oh my gosh i love that you do that i think that's so amazing i, I imagine oh, a picture of you. you i imagine a picture of you in there like wanted I know. <laughs> like <laughs> no literally like i'm just like casually walks around the restaurant grabs a couple meat bones yeah oh i love cash that's so i will always feed them I'm... i don't care <laughs> I'm going to think of you every time I go to babes now. That's yes. amazing. Oh my gosh. 